0: It's amazing. The more we worry about what may happen in the future, the, may we tend, the more we tend to lose out on what is happening right now. The more we worry about what could be, and we're filled with anxiety over things that we cannot control, the more we lose the beauty of what's right in front of us
1: every day. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay, because faith is not about having it all figured out, and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before He'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life, or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.
0: I love the sound of all of us singing, our voices lifted up together as one voice, one people coming together from all kinds of backgrounds, and all kinds of trouble, and all kinds of pain and sorrow, and even all kinds of different blessings. But here in this place, none of that matters. Because here in this place, we're one people, the body of Christ, united together in him. And for about 1,800 years, the church has declared this unity we have and this God that we serve through the words of the Apostles' Creed. So we're going to do that now today. And if you don't know the words, they'll be on the screen, and if you don't know what they mean or why we say these things, uh, one, you could text in some questions, and we'll respond to them later, or uh, join us for the next three weeks, because we're starting a new series today talking about this very creed and the God we believe in. Will you join me in this declaration? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Well, good morning. Apparently, I should go out of town more often and let the intern Adam, the other Adam, uh, preach. Because there's so many of you here today that I have never seen before. He must have done such a great job. Uh, so for those of you who are brand new and you don't know, my name is Adam and it's so good to have you here. I'm the pastor here at The Point. And for those of you joining us on live stream, I'm glad you can join us. Uh, We have today people that are visiting, that are joining us from Alabama and from Chicago and from Texas. And for those of you who've been around for a little bit here at the Point, um, even maybe longer than I have, uh, Pastor Trey, formerly uh, vicar or intern Trey, he's back visiting. So make sure you stop and say hello uh, (laughs) later. Welcome back. Well, as I said, it is good to be here with you today. I missed you quite a bit last week when I was out of town, and as I was preparing for today, while also wrestling with all the responsibilities of visiting family and 15 people in a three-bedroom house for a week, um, I wasn't quite sure what what to say to introduce this new series. You see, as we begin this series, it's personal. We're talking about the persons of the Trinity. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and who they are and what it means for us that we worship this God who is three in one. And that raises a lot of questions about the three in one. We'll get to that in a little bit. But as I thought about what should be said about a God who's indescribable, How do we talk about the persons, the people that make up this Godhead? How do we talk about this God in a way that makes sense when he's a God who's far beyond our comprehension? What came to my mind was just the value of the very words we speak. How often do you think before you speak? I'm really guilty of just speaking and then wishing I hadn't. I'm really guilty of saying one thing and knowing that what I meant is not what came out of my mouth, and often inserting my foot later and regretting it. How often do you think about the power behind the words you speak? Like, we know this to be true, that words have great power, which is why we teach our children ridiculous things, like sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you, when in fact, I would much rather sticks more often than words, Because the bones will heal, but the wounds from words sometimes last forever. Words have this significant power. I remember when I was in sixth grade. Sorry, this is falling off. I think it's adjusted to your face and not mine. I I, I remember when I was in sixth grade, a really difficult season in my life, where I knew that I was loved at home, but I didn't know I was loved outside of my house. Because I was short and I had a speech impediment, and I was bullied a lot. And and I remember feeling torn, and at one point, not knowing why I should continue living, and wanting to stop. And I remember going through all of that pain, and in seventh grade, as I was still trying to wrestle with, who am I? I still don't totally know at 33, so if you don't know, it's okay. But as I was wrestling with some of these tough questions and how do I fit with this world around me, I remember words that my dad wrote for me. He's always been a bit of a poet. And uh, when I was in seventh grade on a little three by five note card, he wrote a short poem. And I still have in a shoebox, my one shoe box my wife lets me keep of sentimental things because she loves to throw stuff away. I still have that little note card to this day in that shoebox. He wrote this small poem just for me, to encourage me, to comfort me. And over the years, that poem, I've committed it to memory, and it's really simple, and it's guided a lot of the things I do. Youth looks to the moment while wisdom understands delay. Accept your greatness, accept it every day. You've been called in the service as a leader of mankind's parade. Worry not about those not following, for wisdom understands delay. At seventh grade, I had no idea what that meant. But it meant something that my dad would take the time to pen some words just for me. As I've grown, I've come to recognize there are many times in life where doing the right thing often feels very wrong. Where following the right direction often leaves you going alone where people don't want to go there with you. And I've come to realize those powerful words that wisdom understands delay. Sometimes things happen the timing different than when you want them to. A couple years ago, my dad had the opportunity, they live in Minneapolis, and he had the opportunity to submit that poem to a contest and he won. And so it is now engraved in a sidewalk near where he lives. And I gotta go see that. And what was really cool was not seeing that poem engraved in concrete. It was not knowing that my dad had won this contest. What was really cool and really meaningful was knowing that words he spoke to me all those years ago continue to speak and to reveal to me just how much he loves me. And just what kind of a father he is that in a great time of difficulty he cared. And he still cares today. Our words give us a sense of purpose and a sense of identity. And when we share common language, when we share common words, it can give us a sense of unity that we are in this together. So for example, if I say to you something about good old Rocky Top, how do you feel? (laughs) Most of you might feel good and wanna shout, right? Unless you're from Clemson or Alabama or some other place that we don't want to name here because they always tend to beat us when we play them. Words can give us a common sense of purpose and direction. And so, as the church 2,000 years ago witnessed Jesus' death and resurrection and began to live out their faith, they began to wrestle with what words describe this God we've just encountered. What words can and capture who he is and what he's done and more importantly, how we can relate to him or connect with him or know him? And, and as early as the second century, so about 120 years after Jesus' death, the church began to use these very words to describe who our God is. I believe in God the Father, Almighty maker of heaven and earth. And these words were later written down and and captured as what we call and we recite as the Apostles' Creed. These words were intended to help shape not what is true, but how we talk about and how we know and how we experience that truth. And so today and over the next couple of weeks, As we go through this series, we're going to dive into the words of the creed and the words of scripture and see the very power they still have for us today to shape who we are and how we relate to one another. I believe in God the Father. Does that ever strike you as a little weird? God the Father. Like Why not God the Mother? Or or why not just God the creator? Why father? Some of us have families that dad is not such a good name. In fact, for some of us, our dad was altogether absent or missing. Or if he was present, he was very far from loving at all. And so sometimes we hear God the father and we think that's just an old way of talking about God. That's just the old culture dictated by men that's coming out today. Or, or maybe that's good for you, but I don't know what a good father could be like. God the Father. Not to be confused with the Godfather. They're slightly different. This language of God the Father comes directly from Jesus. Jesus repeatedly referred to God as his Father, And then he, in turn, invited us, when we pray, to pray, our Father, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Why is it that he calls him Father? Well, we're going to look first at Matthew chapter 6, one of the places where Jesus talks about him as Father, to see why it is that they started this declaration of who our God is with God the Father. Matthew chapter six, beginning in verse 25. This is in the middle of Jesus's first public sermon. The first time where he stands and has this long oration telling people the truth of who God is and how God relates. And right in the middle of it, he throws this out there. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And right off the bat, Jesus' words for me are hard to hear. Do not be anxious. That's great as a command, right? But which of you, when you're feeling anxious, can tell yourself, just stop being anxious and suddenly the problems go away? Or which of you, when you're feeling overwhelmed by all that's happening around you, can simply say, well, I'm going to stop being overwhelmed and now it'll be fine? Do not be anxious about your life. And then Jesus gives some examples. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. All of creation declares God's praises. He says look at the very birds, as simple and as small as they are. We Uh, a few months back, acquired two chickens. And while I was gone, my chickens were greatly taken care of by my neighbor. And when I came home yesterday, well, I came home late Friday night, but yesterday when I went out to feed them, they were super excited. And anything I did for yard work, they were just like chasing me around. And I think they were just hoping I would give them more food as if they thought like I didn't know that they'd been fed this whole time. I'm not sure. But these birds are the most carefree Mostly stupid birds ever. (laughs) Literally, they will eat paint off the side of my house because they think it's a bug. I hope it's not lead paint. Look at the birds, how little they worry, and yet God takes care of them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life. It's amazing, the more we worry about what may happen in the future, the, may we ten- the more we tend to lose out on what is happening right now. The more we worry about what could be, and we're filled with anxiety over things that we cannot control, the more we lose the beauty of what's right in front of us every day. Can you add any time to your life When challenging people to not be anxious, Jesus says, consider the birds and the flowers. All of creation, look around you at the Smokies, at this wonderful place we live in. Driving back to Nebraska a few weeks back as I was headed out, I noticed something I had almost entirely forgotten. There are parts of this country where while you're driving down the road, you can see further than like 50 feet ahead of you. Like the road doesn't just turn into trees and hide entire neighborhoods. There are parts of this country where you can see for miles and you can see a storm in the distance that you will never drive through. And it's remarkable. If the very fields and the creation all around us, if God cares for all of that, how much more will he care for you? is its own trouble. Jesus often says things that are really comforting followed by something. You're like, what? That's not how I would have ended it. He says, don't worry. God will care for you. God will love you. God will provide for you. It will be okay. Besides, today's gonna be hard enough. You know that already. As Adam pointed out last week, following Jesus doesn't mean life comes without pain or problems, but rather in the midst of our pain and our problems, we have a father who cares about us. We have a God who is in control of all of creation and everything points to him. And he feeds the birds and he clothes the flowers. How much more will he take care of you? It'll be okay. So this creed begins that we believe in God the father the one who loves and cares and provides. And if we had no good earthly father, if we have a terrible earthly father, this can be really challenging and really comforting. Our heavenly father looks nothing like your earthly father. And even my dad who was a really good dad and really cared and spoke wisdom in the midst of my pain and my sorrow and brought me comfort in times of need, even my dad is nothing like this father. Our father. He continues at the end of the sermon a little bit later. Uh, Jesus, he says this, chapter seven, verse seven, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Jesus continues. He says, look, because we have this father who cares... Ask. Ask of Him whatever it is you need. Whatever it is you're going through, ask of Him to help you, to comfort you, to strengthen you. Ask of Him to give you your daily bread. Ask of Him whatever it is you need. Because if you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much so does He know how to give good gifts to His? I don't remember what it was this last week while we were on vacation but I remember Elijah asking me for something, my oldest boy asking for something. Now, when we go on family vacation with that side of the family, there's a lot of stuff to do all the time. And not only is there stuff to do all the time, uh, my cousins, or nieces and nephews, his cousins, get a lot of stuff that are purchased for them all the time. My wife and I, we both don't like a lot of stuff, so we don't buy a bunch of junk. Oh, now I remember what it was. Uh, We don't buy a bunch of junk. uh, And and also we don't like spending money just because they asked all the time because we like to be frugal and if we didn't budget for it, we'll buy it later, right? And and this is what it was. We went to an airplane museum, this really cool museum, and we could only get tickets for the museum in the gift shop because they were without power at the other place. And so we go into the gift shop and there's a puzzle there. He says, Dad, can I have the puzzle? And I said, not right now. Uh, This is just at the start of the museum. I don't want to carry it around, right? And you don't know how a kid's going to behave in the museum. It could be terrible. He said, not right now. He said, okay. And we go through and he does a wonderful job in the museum and he behaves really well. He listens really well. So I decide I'm going to go back. I'm going to buy him that puzzle. And I bought him the puzzle and I came out and I said, or he sees I got the puzzle. And he's super excited. He said, Dad, you got the puzzle. I said, Yeah, do you know why I bought the puzzle? He said, Well, because you love me. I said, I do. Do you know why else I bought the puzzle? He said, No. He said, Because you asked for it and I care about you. you. You see, I like to give good gifts to him. And Jesus says, If, if we like to do that for our kids, how much more will this father we have in heaven give to us? He continues, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? When we declare in this creed that we believe in God our father, we're declaring that we have a God who desires for us to come to him, a God who wants us to ask of him the things we want and the things we need, a God who eagerly looks forward to giving us good gifts. How often in your walk with Jesus do you think about God like this? See, I know for myself a lot of the time my prayer is more along this line. God, if you want to, if you would be willing to, if you're able to, like I'd really like it if you would consider possibly maybe doing this thing. As opposed to, God, I know you love me, so I come before you and I ask. Now when you ask, you might get the answer no. And that's okay. Ask him anyway. Jesus, he's talking about the father as one who loves to give good gifts. Later, he talks about his father in so many other ways that he only does what his father tells him to do. He does everything his father does. He and his father are one. We connect to his father through him. Jesus goes on to talk so much about this father. But the words of that creed continue beyond just I believe in God, the father. I believe in God, the father, almighty maker of heaven and earth. See, we live in an age where it's really easy to dismiss the idea of God as creator. We say, well, I don't really need that because I have a different understanding. I've learned something new, and so God, the idea of him as creator is really comforting, but I don't need to actually believe that. But this creed confesses, I believe in God, almighty maker of heaven and earth. Which should be really comforting to you and me. You see, as Almighty Maker of heaven and earth, Creator of all things, when you are in need, is there anything He cannot give? Is there anything He cannot do for you? When that anxiety overwhelms you, is He not able to give you peace? Even if that peace just lasts for a moment? when your worry and your concern and your actual physical needs for food and clothing or any sort of other thing like health and wellness, when those things overwhelm you, is he not capable as the one who made everything to give you what you need? And so because he is our father, we know he loves us. Because he is our maker, we know he can provide for us. Martin Luther, a man from the the 15th or 16th century who was called to be a pastor and really struggled because he learned most pastors were really stupid and didn't know much about God. Things haven't changed much today. Uh, I'm, I'm still mostly in that category. But what he realized was all these pastors were untrained in who God was and they couldn't even say simple things like, what is the creed? So he wrote a small little book called The Small Catechism that was intended to help teach pastors and then in turn help teach dads so that dads could teach children. And it's really simple. And in it, he breaks down the basics of our faith. And when it comes to this phrase, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, this is what he says. What do we know this means? This is what he says. He says this, I believe that God has made me and all creatures that he has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still takes care of them. I like that. When we declare this, we believe God continues to care for us today. He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, land, animals, and all I have. He richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. He defends me against all danger and guards and protects me from all evil. All this he does only out of fatherly, divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me. For all this, it is my duty to thank and praise and serve and obey him. See, God doesn't provide for you or care for you as the maker of heaven and earth out of obligation. He doesn't do it simply because you've tried hard enough on your own and you're fixing your mess yourself. God doesn't do any of the things He does because you deserve it. He does it simply because He loves you and He cares about you and He's more than able to provide for all of your needs. As we go through this series, it's personal. Looking at how these three persons of the Trinity relate. I want you to know this. God is for you. And he desperately desires you to seek him. And he promises when we seek him, we will find him. Every single time. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you. That you are good, that you are a father who cares. Lord, we confess that sometimes as dads we have not measured up. In fact, most of the time we are not the good father we should be. And yet, if we who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will you, our heavenly father who is perfect, give good gifts? Lord, we ask today that you would comfort us with all of our need, that we would confidently come before you and trust that you not only care but are able, sovereign and almighty, powerful above all else, capable of doing exactly what we need done. So may we ask with confidence, may we wait with patience, may we trust that in all things you are good May we understand when things are delayed that your way is better than our way. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, part of our service every week is we collect an offering as a way to say, God, I trust in you with all things. And, uh, so we want to, at this time, collect an offering. If you came prepared to give today uh, with cash or check, or if you filled out one of those connect cards, that's a physical one, could you place that in the popcorn buckets in the back as you leave? Uh, and if you prefer to give online, you can do so at thepointknocks.com. Uh, now the way I, I want to ask you today something different than I normally do. Uh, Every now and then, an opportunity arises for us to uh, purchase something or do something that costs a little bit more than we would normally plan for, and I want to ask if any of you would be a part of helping us do something. Uh, How many of you in this place like to drink coffee? How many of you regularly get coffee here? And how many of you have noticed that our coffee here sometimes is a little more bitter than it might be elsewhere? Anybody? (laughs) Okay, all right. It's not because we're serving bad coffee, but our coffee pots were used when they were given to us 11 years ago and are slowly breaking. And with that, uh, they're not always making the best of coffee each time. And so we are in the process of replacing them with some new coffee pots. And to do so, we're gonna actually uh, get a filter and and make it so it's cleaner water and better tasting coffee, and it'll just be all around better for all of us. Um, But to do that, it's about $1,500. So, that's a lot, but if you think these have lasted us 11 years and they were used then, 1500 yes, to get two new brewers because those things are intense. So if you love our coffee and want to give an extra gift above and beyond what you normally do uh, to help us reach that $1,500 goal, uh, we'd appreciate it. And if you do that online, you can just put in the memo that is for the coffee, and that way we know. And if you do it in the buckets on the envelope, you could write that too. So every week, you guys ask questions, and I do my best to respond. Uh, I don't know if I told you this earlier. I told everybody else. Uh, The other Adam asked if we could also address the baptism question that came in last Mm -hmm, weekend. mm -hmm. Uh, So can you read that one first?
2: Sure can. Sure can. Definitely can find it. Really fast. Did you have any? Oh, here it is. (laughs) Okay. I knew knew you could do it. Um, It said, I was raised Catholic and baptized as an infant. Does that count or should I be baptized again now that I'm old enough to make the decision for myself?
0: Uh, Adam answered it correctly and then he got flustered after that. So well done, (laughs) Adam. Uh, The answer is... No, you don't need to be rebaptized. And the reason you don't need to be rebaptized is if you were baptized in any uh, Christian denomination that baptizes in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that holds to this understanding of a three in one unique God, if you were baptized there, it's great. You're good to go. And I specify that because some people get baptized in the Mormon church and they use that same language, but they don't at all believe in the same God. It's very different for them. They're three separate gods, not one God. And so if you were baptized in the Mormon church in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let's redo it. But otherwise, even if you don't remember it, it still works. And I was telling Adam about this as he was asking. It's kind of like if I gave you when you were a kid a billion dollars in a bank account, right? Right? You might not remember receiving the gift, but you still have access to it. And the gift of baptism, you don't have to remember to have access to what God does through it. So if you've been baptized, you still are, and it's okay.
2: I love that illustration. Um, That leads well into the next question. That is, do all Christian denominations recite slash believe the Apostles' Creed?
0: (sighs) No and yes. And Here's what I mean by that. No, they don't all recite it because some say, well, a creed's made by man. I shouldn't have anything made by man. And yet the Bible was made by man and they believe that. Um, So some don't recite it because they think it's too much tradition and ritual. Um, But they hopefully still believe it because if you don't believe the basic tenets of what's there, you're kind of outside of what the early Christians believed, the ones who witnessed Jesus firsthand. And so it you don't have to recite it to be Christian, but you should hold to what it says.
2: Okay, cool. Um, next question. When the church says the creed aloud, why do we recite it as though the comma comes after the word almighty instead of before?
0: That's a great God, question. God the
2: Father almighty.
0: I actually wrestled with like where we should put the comma even as I broke it down in the sermon today because commas didn't exist in the original. Oh, They're I was there. like,
2: you're not in charge of where the commas go, but you kind of are.
0: But we kind of are, right? So some people say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, right? Or I believe in God, the Father Almighty, right? So where do you emphasize? Well, I I guess there's not a right or wrong. Um, However you emphasize, it could change what you're focusing on. If it's I believe in God, who is then spelled out in all these things, you might put the comma after God. If it's God the Father, the Father's more emphasized than the Almighty or Creator, right? And so why do some do it one and some another? I don't think it matters, but maybe it's an issue of what you're trying to emphasize and why they're on the screen the way they are. I don't know (laughs) because of our wonderful pro presenter volunteers who try to put up with me each week.
2: (laughs) Next question. Why is it when we recite the apostles creed, we say Christian church instead of Catholic church as it was written?
0: That's a great question. So it originally said one holy Catholic church. Uh, which meant universal, one church across the whole world. But that got confusing when the Roman Catholic Church began to grow to what it is today. Most people hear Catholic and think Roman Catholic, not universal, all Christians of all places. So to make it more simple and easily understood, it's been replaced with Holy Christian Church, Um, Both are correct, neither are wrong, unless you're thinking just exclusively Roman Catholics are the only true church, as Roman Catholics think. But to be fair, Lutherans often think they're the only ones who have it right too, so we could all use a little humility and a lot of love. Uh,
2: okay, quick story. So fast, I promise. But I was like in elementary school or middle school and we were doing this thing at a Catholic church for my sister and this lady was like, what are you? And I was like, I'm Lutheran. And she was like, oh, you're Lutheran Catholic? I'm Lo- Roman Catholic. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think, okay. Um... <laughs> Last question. Um, Blake was here today playing the accordion. So great. Love it, thank you. Uh, and someone asked, can the accordion be used for a polka version of the doxology? Yeah. Certainly
0: can be. Uh, yeah, we could bust that out one week. Uh, so I think the first ever time we had the accordion was like our East Tennessee Thanksgiving, which always happens a Sunday after Thanksgiving, and we get a, a real... Uh, funky here and it's pretty great. And I think that was the first time we had the accordion and I walked in that morning and was like, we're doing an accordion? Uh Uh-oh. What am I into? And it was awesome. So thanks for coming back with that. Uh, Also, if any of you know somebody who plays the organ, like this huge thing works, but none of us know how to play it. So I know he plays it. I've been trying to pressure him. I think that'd be cool to use one week, right? Like uh, our worship can include a whole host of different instruments and styles and methods because it's not about what we're or like, how we're doing it. It's about what we're doing and what we're doing is coming before the God who made us and forgives us and restores us and is making us new and singing his praises. So yeah, if you want to bust out that organ or the accordion or maybe both at once, it'd be super impressive.
2: Yeah. Is that it? That's all the questions today.
0: As always, you can always ask your questions during the week and I will do my best to respond to them next week or uh, midweek on Facebook if the opportunity arises. Uh, Receive this blessing as you go then. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor, give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week.
1: Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.